Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Matt. Hey, everybody. My name is Casey. How are you doing today? We've got a really great, fun, fantastic episode bringing out. We're bringing out lots of heavy hitters as of late. We really are. In fact, we are going to infinity and beyond. Matt, I have a question for you. Yes. Do I have a friend in you? Yes, you do, Casey. You do have a friend in me. In case you haven't guessed, folks, we are talking about the Toy Story franchise. I want to give you a little bit of history on this for a moment. We have been tossing this one around. We even tossed it out to have some of you guys come on to talk about this with us, and nobody jumped at the chance. But we we tried to figure out how we wanted to do this, whether it was one episode per movie, whether it was a two-part thing going on. I think what we decided on was just to talk about this franchise collectively because of how massive it is to the Disney empire and everything that it accomplished from basically the 19 mid 1990s all the way up until last year 2019 and continues to be a huge part of that Disney culture. We felt that we're already giving you 23 episodes in 23 days. We didn't need to draw out <laughs> another franchise over a long period of time. <laughs> agreed, agreed. So this this episode will probably end up being a little bit longer than most. But the reason behind that is, is we are talking four movies. We're talking franchise. We're talking merch. We're talking theme park attractions. So let's get into it a little bit. Toy Story, Matt, as you know, and maybe our listeners don't know, was the very first only 100% CGI movie, uh, animated movie created at that point in time. It was the very first one to do it, a full feature-length film. Uh, part of the idea came from Pixar's short called the, I think it was called the Tin Soldier. And Tin Toy. Tin Toy, thank you, Tin Toy. And the idea here was to create a movie 100% made of CGI. And again, as most of you who've seen Toy Story, and again, spoiler alert for this episode, for all four of the movies, if you've not seen all four spoilers ahead, the original movie was the idea that all toys are alive. And when humans are not around, they come to life and they have lives and they have friendships and they have romances and and their true desire is to be played uh, with by human uh, children. And that's really what this, this original movie was all about. And I think what is so good about this is because it was the first CGI film, it could have hung its hat on that. This movie could have been wildly mediocre, even bad. And you still would have been able to hang the hat on, well, you know what, this movie's not really great, but it's, uh, it's, it cements its place in history. I think a little bit this is what Snow White is sometimes thought of at the, as this wonderfully fantastic movie. And don't get me wrong, it is, but also a big reason of its popularity is it was the first, and that's what it hangs its hat on. Yeah, well, and... You know, beyond that, beyond the fact that it was a first, so to your point, it was the first, it was a great story, but it had major star power too, like major oh, yeah. star power. When you look at, you know, the fact that Tom Hanks, he was he was a major star by this point anyway, coming off of movies like Big, and by this point, I'm, I think uh, uh, You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle had already happened and all those movies that he's been known for. You also have Tim Allen, which let's be very frank, at this point in time, he's right in the middle of his heyday as Tim Taylor in Home Improvement. You know, or how's he go? Or no, that, 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 that's Santa Claus. That's the wrong one. Uh, so you're thinking Santa Claus. Uh, that's it. Uh, that's his voice right there. So he's coming off of his, you know, he's not coming off. He's right in the middle of his heyday as a star with ABC. And then on top of that, you add on people like Jim Varney, Don Rickolds, uh, John Ratzenberger, Wallace Shawn, and Annie Potts, and suddenly you're rounding out the fact that you've got a huge bit of star power. It, 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 a lot of people don't even realize that Andy's mom is actually voiced by a major star at that point, although it was unknown. Do you know who she's voiced by? Uh, I don't. Lori Metcalf, who played uh, Jackie in Roseanne. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe yes, she goes. Me. I believe she goes uncredited in that, at least in the first one. But she, yeah, she she does that. I believe through all four movies. And then Sid, a lot of people don't realize, is voiced by Eric Von Detten, a uh, very young Eric Von Detten at the time. Um, and he's well known for a bunch of Disney Channel original movies. So you have a lot of star power. So think about that. You got the trifecta. You got the first digital animation, uh, computer animated movie. You got a really compelling storyline. And frankly put, you've got star power that backs it up. But I think that this was why it was so wonderful that it is a good movie, because they could have just hung their hat on this. I mean, Disney did this, where Dinosaur was the first computer-generated Disney movie that Walt Disney Pictures put out, and that movie sucks. And so it very much could have just hung its hat on, look, we, we did this amazing technological advancement, here it is and it could have been mediocre and it would have been fine but they took it one step further and this is a really really solid movie yeah and i to that point you know what is walt disney known for now i want to be very clear here at this point in time this was not disney i mean it was disney but it was a partnership between disney and pixar which was its own company at that point so, you know, we oftentimes, you know, paint this with rose-colored lenses that, you know, Disney, Pixar, one and the same, and, and now they are. But back then, they were not. This was a partnership between Disney and Pixar. Pixar was started by Steve Jobs. But what I was going to get at was this. The, the cornerstone of everything that Disney does, dating back to when Walt was alive and, and pushed his nine old men to make the movies that he made, was that everything has to start with a compelling story. You can't hang your hat on uh, being the first at something or by just being by nature that we're Walt Disney, we're going to get it right every time. Because again, history is littered with the fact that that's not true. And I think to your point, had that compelling story not been there, we wouldn't have a Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3 or a Toy Story 4 or the, the, the presence that Toy Story has in the parks or in video games or in toys, which we're going to get to in a minute. Yeah, the story is something that is so relatable because how many times have we left not just toys but keys or our phone or our wallet somewhere and we know that we left it there and then we go back to get it. We're like, where in the world did this go? Oh my gosh, my wallet or my toys must be alive. Like it's so relatable of a story. Absolutely, absolutely. So this movie was made... What was made on uh, a thirty million dollar budget? It grossed uh, three hundred and seventy four million dollars. It was a box office smash. It came out in nineteen ninety six. I think that's what it was. Ninety six. Yeah, ninety five. No, ninety five. So I would have been. Uh, let me see. November of ninety five. I would have been thirteen years old. Uh, so or no. Uh, 12 years old. So I was the target demographic for this. I was that preteen, middle school, late elementary, early middle school child. I remember when the movie came out. I remember going to see this movie. I remember going and renting or buying, I can't tell you, I think we rented the video game for Super Nintendo for this and playing that game like crazy. I remember Burger King came out with uh, Happy Meal or whatever their their kids meal versions of the various um, the various toys you had Woody you had Buzz you had Woody Buzz who were the other ones that came in that up uh, well those were the two big ones there might have been two other ones in there who I'm I'm losing but I remember how much I wanted to get Buzz and how much I wanted to get the Woody doll and and you know this was something that Disney was genius about the marketing around these toys well it's it's tailor made for selling merchandise because. It's a movie about toys. So you just sell toys. <laughs> like that's, Absolutely. And, and, and also they were engaging characters where Woody was your, your main character and then Buzz was just cool. He was just a cool looking character. And then you throw in a lot of the great side characters where, you know, Rex, Slinky Dog, Mr. Potato Head, obviously Mr. Potato Head being an already established uh, toy. 
um, you, you took these and those were ones that you also wanted to get the toys of. You know, so often with movies, it's okay, well, I want the main couple characters, but I don't really care about the rest of these side characters. And this is one of those movies that you can find merchandise for all of these side characters. I mean, it, it and, and so it may, it wasn't just about these main characters, but also these side characters had really big roles in this movie. And I, like you, I had, was the computer game like a side-scrolling platformer? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, I remember distinctly one of the levels was you're in Andy's room and you've got it, you're, you're underneath these shelves and the army men are dropping stuff on you and you got to navigate through the army men and then you got to come back, you're scrolling to the right, but then you got to go up on the shelf and scroll back to the left or something like that. Yes. Yes. I, I had this one on PC, so I know okay. exactly what you're talking about. Cause I was, I was a little bit younger when this movie came out, but still, I was still the target demographic. And yep. so I watched this movie a ton. Like it, when, when I rewatched this movie, I'm like, Oh, I can quote this entire thing. I, I know this entire movie by heart. So uh, favorite part of the first one, let's start with just toy story favorite part oh my goodness i mean i I think overall just the first movie in general there's so many good parts in that movie uh it's hard to pick one i think when they're in pizza planet i think i really like that scene i like the where they start to bond um i I, i'm not a huge fan of when they're over in sid's house i don't like that i I always got that was always a little scary to me when they came across the lost toys and and you know how crazy sid was i loved the scene when um when they basically take a hold of rc and and uh race him back i I think that's really good and and just the way that they land in the end from the sky oh So I think, I think of all the movies, and, and we're going to get to this in a minute. We talked about this briefly before we hopped on. I'm not really high on Toy Story like you are. Toy Story is a good franchise to me. It's not my favorite franchise, but I believe that the franchise bookends really well with number one and number four. I do not like two and three. So I think one one was a really great movie. Two and three are eh. Four is, I think, the pinnacle, which we'll get to. So, But one just had a lot of good points to it, a lot of good parts to it. How about you? For me, it's the birthday party where the toys have sent the army men down and then they're like listening in on what gifts are being bought. And I think that's just such a creative thing of, yeah, like if my toys were alive, they would absolutely like be wanting to know what other toys are being gotten. And just as they're commentating things where it's like, it's bed sheets. It's like, who invited that kid? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I really, I enjoy that entire scene, I think is really creatively done. Hey, I can dream, can't I? The boat's coming off. He's ripping the wrapping paper. It's a, it's, it's a a lunchbox. We've got a lunchbox here. A lunchbox? Lunchbox. Lunch. (laughs) Okay, second present. I agree. I, I, I agree with you. Again, the whole movie is creatively done. The whole movie had that childlike moments for me of watching it. I mean, you would have been how old in 1995? I would have been like five or six. Um, so, I mean, you, you were watching it at an even younger age than I was at, you know, the preteens. And so I think, again, we talk a lot about this when we kind of go through some of these movies. And as we start to go through these four I have a belief that your perspective of the next two we're going to go through is going to be very similar to why I believe one is one of the best movies. Because when you think about 1999, so we're talking four years later, so now you're nine, right? So you're starting to move into those really formative years, nine, 10, 11. That's when you're starting to really start to understand the world and, and Toy Story is a comfort for you. Where me, four years later, I'm into my teenage years. That's kitty stuff. I don't want to pay attention to that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. I, you see what I'm saying? So I think that a lot of times this has a lot to do with that. So I also want to say, as we kind of transition to Toy Story 2, that it is fun to watch how the graphics get better and better in each movie. <laughs> yes, absolutely. To, to go back and watch one and then watch four, you go, holy cow, technology right? has 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's turn that corner into into Toy Story Two because I think I think we've we've done a good job with one. So Toy Story Two, budget of ninety million dollars, did four hundred and ninety seven million. Uh, at the box office. So just to put that into perspective of how much that is in today's money, by the way, that 376 that the first one did is 641 million in today's money. The 497 is close to $780 million in 2020 money. So that just gives you an idea of of, of how much Toy Story 2 grossed. Um, And I have to say that it, it wasn't supposed to be a theatrical release. It was not. In fact, Toy Story 2 was supposed to be a direct-to-video sequel that was about an hour long. And executives made the decision kind of last minute to say, no, let's make this a real thing, not even expecting it to be as popular as it was. And, and oh boy, it was. Um, so I have a great anecdotal story uh, about Toy Story 2. There's a, there's a book out there by Ed Catmull, who is one of the uh, like founders of Pixar. And um, it's called Creativity Incorporated. If you are at all interested in how Pixar, like the development of movies um, and how they create their movies, read that book. It's really, really good. And so the chapter is about, I don't remember what the chapter is about, but he tells this story about Toy Story 2. He gives, starts with a piece of computer code and he says, this is the code that deletes everything off a server. One day we are, uh, uh, you know, looking at the movie Toy Story 2. It's like, I want to say month to two months to three months, one to three months before release. And all of a sudden things are deleting from the server. We're watching all of Woody's rigging disappear, all of Buzz's rigging disappear, all of Rex's uh, stuff disappear, and they start to panic. They're like, oh no, the, the, the servers are being deleted. They call down to the server room and it unplug the servers, and the people down there are going, what, what do you mean? And they're like, for the love of, of all that is good in the world, please unplug the servers. They, they uh, get to the servers, unplug them, 90% of the movie, gone. Mm-hmm. Done from the servers. And they're like, okay, no worries. Don't panic. We'll go to our backup servers. They go to the backup servers. They haven't been working for six months. Oh, no. So they gather everyone into this room and go, what do we do? What do we do? And someone says, wait a minute. I have been on maternity leave. And so I've been working from home. And so all this stuff is backed up on my home computer. Oh, wow. so he said, we have never driven so fast to that woman's house. And I, he describes it as that computer was brought in like an ancient pharaoh through Pixar. And that's what saved Toy Story 2. <laughs> I've heard that story before. I think that actually um, there's a documentary, which I know you're not a, you don't watch documentaries. But uh, uh, there's a documentary out there called Pixar in Real Life. And it's on Disney+. Plus, and I want to say it's in that. I think they, they talk about it there. Because I've heard that story before. It's funny because you and I have both worked for the Walt Disney Company company at this point. And I know you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the information security training that we have to watch every year. And you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. This is a yearly training that all Walt Disney Company employees have to watch. Uh, it's a learning management system online training. And and Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, is one of the guys who narrates it. He's actually one of the guys. Yeah. And then I believe there's another guy who who's very similar to the, the guy from those State Farm commercials, Chaos or, or, or Mayhem, Mayhem. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. About, imagine you have a baby and you'll do everything you can to protect that baby. And and what they're talking about is the creation of Disney movies, of Disney Disney collateral. And they, and they talk about how you don't leave thumb drives and, and drives and computers and laptops around that within the Walt Disney Company, there are safes that people lock this stuff in. So when you tell me this story way back in 1989, I'm imagining there's no way whatsoever that that would ever work now, that if they had a server problem that detrimental the movie would be lost because there's no way they would allow some person on maternity leave to have this on their home computer like that you know so i just it makes me laugh because you know that wouldn't happen oh no 1999 (laughs) Uh so when it comes to toy story 2 and i know this is a favorite of a lot of people's i'm not high on it um I, I, I will say I do uh, enjoy 
the song that Jesse sings about uh, her her owner, her her child. I enjoy that part. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart. I do like the inclusion of Jesse and Bullseye. That creates so much more uh, story and backstory to who Woody is. But the rest of it, yeah, no. It's just, it's just not my favorite. Not my favorite. I don't like Al. I don't like Al's toy, toy barn. Uh, it just, meh. What about you? Um, it, it definitely is, is in my mind, on the lower end of the franchise. It's, it's the third best movie. Um, now, again, when you talk about any Pixar movie, saying you're the third you're the third worst movie is still a pretty good movie, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's good. Um, I, I really like it in terms of, I, I like to see Woody's development. I also love that the first movie is Woody trying to convince Buzz that no, you're a, you're a plaything, You're a toy. And your goal is to bring joy to this kid. And then two is the exact opposite where Buzz is now the one that's saying Woody what, what are you doing? Our, 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 our goal is to be there for this kid in whatever capacity that might be. And I enjoy that arc from the first movie to the second movie. I, I enjoy that it connects. I agree with you. I like that the new characters they bring in are, are good for the franchise and not annoying <laughs> and terrible. Um, and, I, and I do like the idea that the toys are starting to realize that our kid's not going to be young forever. What's going to be our next step? And I, I think that's another thing that we as humans can relate with, that as we grow up, as we move into new stages of life, we kind of go, well, where's where's my place in all this? How do I react in this? So I, I think that really connects with, with me. And I, I also have to say, too, you talked about with the you know I, I'm nine or ten when this movie comes out, and so I'm in my formative years. Very much Andy in my mind, and we'll get to Toy Story three in just a minute. But we grew up kind of with Andy, whereas when I was five, yeah, I was still playing with toys. When I was nine, yeah, I was starting to think about yeah, I'm I'm growing up. I'm going to be a teenager soon, and I, you know what are my toys going to do? And then at Toy Story three, when Andy's going off to college, I was in college, and so that really resonated with me. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I want to do here before we move into Toy Story 3 is I want to talk a little bit about the merchandise side of it. Because by this point, Disney and Pixar realize, you know, beyond just the initial release, now you've got Toy Story 2, how big of a hit that they have on their hands. So we're going to take a quick break and talk about our sponsors in merchandise. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about Toy Story merchandise. So in case you guys don't know, we are sponsored by a pod, uh, by a, a company called Riss and Cal. And they run the Four Frills website, fourfrills.com. It's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S.com. If you go there, fourfrills.com slash shop, they have a number of cell phone accessories that you can take a look at, be it cell phone cases, chargers, uh, wireless chargers. They actually have wireless earbuds, uh, a number of things. And they have been a sponsor of our show literally since the beginning of our show back in March. And so when you buy from them, you help support the show. Matt, I believe they also give to charity as well. I know you've checked out some of that. Yeah, a lot of um, environmental ones. So uh, the Nature Conservancy, the Marine Conservancy, I know are two of them. And the American Red Cross is another one. Um, So you can also feel good that your purchase is going to help not just uh, not just us, but also a great cause um, uh, in in communities everywhere in our world. So that, that makes me feel good about a purchase. And I have to say, they just restocked a bunch of new stuff. The new stuff is really sleek. So if, if you checked us out way back in March, check it out again, because it's all brand new stuff. Yeah. And to that point, you know, we're talking about Andy and how Andy's aging through all these movies. The thing I like about this particular uh, partner is that I've known Jay, the owner of the company, uh, since high school. I've grown up with him, literally. And he started this company to teach his kids about how to run a business, how to give back to the community, and how that whole process works. So when you buy from them, like Matt said, you're supporting our show, you're supporting great causes. And you're also helping a parent teach his kids how to manage in the crazy world that we live in. So if you go to fourfrills.com, that's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S dot com slash shop, 
search around, find some stuff, great stocking stuffers. Use the coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S, at checkout. You'll get 15% off of your purchase. Uh, All right. So that said, we're going to jump back into the show and talk a little bit about the merch uh, as it pertains to the Toy Story franchise. And I want to start it off with this point here, Matt. So 1999, the movie comes out, you know, year 2000 is kind of when that all happens. Keep in mind, Pixar, Disney, two separate entities at this point have a massive hit on their hand. Uh, They've probably had a couple of other hits at this point that have come through since Toy Story, but massive hit on their hand. Pixar's growing frustrated with some of the rules and restrictions that Disney has. And so in 2004, they split. They split. Now, that's important because I know you haven't seen the documentary yet, but in uh, the Imagineering story, there's a part in there where Bob Iger, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mike Eisner, is talking about, right around that time period, uh, him and Bob Iger are walking around um, one of the parks, I believe it's one of the international parks, uh, right around that time period, and he's looking around at this parade, and all the characters that are in this parade that people are cheering for are Pixar characters. They're not Disney characters. And it was that moment that Iger, Iger realizes, I've got a problem that the generation of kids that are growing up right now are not resonating with my characters. They're resonating with this other company's characters over here. And a big part of that is the merch. Listeners, we're going to ask you a question. And uh, just I want you to think about it in your head. What toy do you think is the number one selling toy last holiday season? Remember, Frozen 2 came out. Uh, uh, Star Wars is a thing. Marvel's a thing. But what was the number one selling toy? Think about your answer for a second. Okay, you got it? Great. Awesome. Casey, what was the number one selling toy last year and for the last, what, 14 years? The last forever years. It is Buzz Lightyear. Basically, any Toy Story talking action figure. Buzz Lightyear and Woody and Jesse. Those three, you combine those three, they provide more income than you can imagine to the Disney store than any other franchise imaginable, be it Frozen, Marvel, Star Wars, those three. Now, mind you, this is a franchise that has been out for 25 years and people still buy Talking Buzz, Talking Woody, Talking Jesse, and last year we had a couple of other ones because the movie came out, obviously. But the, the point of this is is that, think, for those of you listening to the show, do you have a Buzz Lightyear at home? Do you have a Woody I, at home? I do. <laughs> right? And maybe it's not the talking one. Maybe it's a small, uh, maybe it's the small toy box figure, or it's a figurine set, or it's a plush, or it's um, uh, a Hot Wheel of Buzz Lightyear, or a Hot Wheel of, of, of Woody. Strangely enough, I'm looking at my room. I don't have a Buzz Lightyear in here, of all things. But wow, I I know, right? I would argue, but again, I'm not completely hot on Toy Story, right? But I would argue that the reason why Bob Iger looked around at that time in that park, in in whether it was Hong Kong Disneyland or or Tokyo or wherever he was looking at at the time, and he saw all these people cheering for all these characters that were not Disney, and he had he freaked out and was like, "We've got a problem." And it wasn't too long after that in 2006 that Disney bought Pixar was because people grew up and Disney and Pixar did such an amazing job at intertwining the movie with the merch and the merch with the movie because these movies were tailor made for that product. Because they're toys. And so, I mean, when, when Toy Story 4 came out last year, where Duke Kaboom, and it was the literal Duke Kaboom toy. You could buy the Duke Kaboom toy exactly how you see it. And that's same thing with the Buzz Lightyear and the Woodies. It is exactly what you see in the movie, where my Buzz, my talking action figure Buzz, has the karate chop action. He's got the phrases. He's got the wings that pop out. He's got the helmet. Like, he, it is exactly the same thing. On the way! Buzz Lightyear!
Whereas a movie like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, a movie like The Incredibles, you can buy a doll of The Incredibles, but you're not getting a human-sized Mr. Incredible that can do all the things that he can do. Whereas, Yeah. yeah, for this movie, you can get the literal Buzz Lightyear. Yep, absolutely. So that kind of takes us to where we're rounding the corner now to Toy Story 3. And again, 2006, Disney buys Pixar because they understand how important those characters are, those franchises are to their longevity, right? This is what a generation of children grew up on. It was not until June of 2010, so 11 years later, that we see another installment of Toy Story. And that, of course, being... Toy Story 3. A little bit of facts and figures. So again, Toy Story 2 was made on a $90 million budget. Toy Story 3 was made on a $200 million budget, but ended up grossing $1.1 billion. That's with the B, $1.1 billion. And just to do some configuration here uh, on on the inflation on that. So that was uh, 2010 to 2020. That is equal to $1.3 billion dollars in today's money that's that's quite a lot um and earned a nod for for best picture uh i know we just talked about beauty and the beast um beauty and the beast up and uh and this movie toy story 3 were are the only animated films to receive that nomination for best picture so that that shows you what people thought from this movie from a movie standpoint yeah and this is now we're getting into the fact that we're into trilogy territory right so that this this is number three in a, in a series of three movies up to that point. It, it really kind of puts the capstone on what is the Toy Story trilogy. Uh, you said it earlier, you know, Andy goes off to college. So what happens to those toys, right? And they accidentally get um, donated to uh, uh, Sunnyside, uh, a daycare center where, you know, we know what happens to toys in daycare center. We've seen those. And again, we can relate to a lot of, those circumstances right but it is very much a coming of age story for these characters in terms of what's going to happen to them now that they don't have a child to play with them anymore and you know jesse kind of dealt with that a little bit in toy story 2 with with her um with i forget her child's name emily emily yes thank you so you know she dealt with it and you know and dealing you know not having emily watching emily grow up or being separated from emily there's actually some theory out there that emily was actually andy's mom did you ever hear that yeah i've heard that theory before i don't know if pixar has confirmed that but that's a very popular theory well it has to do with the fact that in toy story one andy is running around with that red cowboy hat that actually is jesse's hat that we don't see until two so it's it's really interesting to hear that theory. I, I, I don't think they've ever confirmed it either, but it would be really interesting if they did. Um, what are your thoughts on Toy Story 3? I think this is probably the one you're most sold on. Yes, I think this is where we start to diverge on our Toy Story fandom. <laughs> this is the best movie in, in the franchise. It caps this trilogy so, so well. The ending of this movie where he decides to give his toys to the kids, that scene where he is giving his toys to Bonnie, I, I mean, I, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Like, I don't cry a lot in movies, and that's one of the, the, one of the times that really made me emotional in a movie where – he is giving his like describing this is who this is this is who this is you're gonna play with them and and the the raw emotion that andy feels that the excitement that bonnie feels the potato heads mr and mrs you gotta keep them together because they're madly in love now slinky here is as loyal as any dog you could want and ham he'll keep your money safe but he's also one of the most dastardly villains of all time. Evil Dr. Porkchop. That scene is just fantastic. I, I think it also has really compelling new characters again. I think Lotso is a villain that you don't see coming necessarily. And that whole like daycare hierarchy is a is kind of a fun, interesting thing. And overall, I just think it's a... It is it is an all-around beginning to finish and then going back to Toy Story 1 and 2, connecting all of them and really putting the capstone on this trilogy, it, it I think that was the perfect way for them to go out. So I agree with you that this, this is where you, you and I diverge. But here's the deal. 
I think that Toy Story 3 is, in fact, the perfect capstone to one story. And that story, in my mind, is Andy's story. That, and this is the conversation that I have tried to have with many a people who have come back to me and say, Toy Story 4 ruined it. No, Toy Story 4 did not ruin it at all. Toy Story 4, actually, in my book, is the best of all four of them. That doesn't discount what Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 did, but Toy Story 3 capstones Andy's progression and Woody's relationship with Andy. He goes off to college. He no longer needs that toy. And we've all been there. We've all had it where we've had a toy in our life or multiple things in our life. We outgrow them. And in Toy Story 3... Andy becomes an adult. Andy becomes this adult where he no longer needs toys. And he his mom raised him right. He learned the right ethics, the right morals. And he gives these toys away to the neighbor girl next door. And it's a great conclusion to Andy's story. But here's what I think Toy Story 4 does so brilliantly and why I think I like it. And you know, I've, I've said this before. I am a sequel junkie. I prefer sequels more than originals in almost all cases. I view one, two, and three as almost like one big giant movie that is Andy's story. But what Toy Story 4 gives us is we've now gotten out of the bonds of Andy and what's going on in his life. And now we get to see Woody develop. This is Woody and Bo's story. You know, Bo is 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 notably absent from Toy Story 3, but now we get to see in Toy Story 4, you know what? Andy was never intended to be Bonnie's toy. And Bonnie has other priorities. And Andy, or not Andy, Woody had to give up something in Toy Story 2, which we, we then see in Toy Story 4, a retcon, if you will. He had to give up Bo. And that part of his life and going away with Bo. And now that he's fulfilled his responsibility, he now gets to go and live the rest of his life as a free toy where he doesn't have that responsibility of being uh, attached to a child anymore. That's what I love about that is that at the end of Toy Story 4, Andy has gone on to be an adult and a contributing member of society. Woody has gone on to live what the next chapter of his life with Bo and the other toys have found peace with what they're doing with Bonnie. I, it's a happy ending for everybody. Uh, I, I, I disagree. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I, I have not heard it described to me that three was Andy's story. And I do, I do like that. Here's my problem with four is another big part of the Toy Story franchise is Woody and Buzz's relationship, where there's many a time where they're talking about how, you know, at, at the end of Toy Story 2, they're talking about, you know, what about when Andy grows up? And it's like, we're together to infinity and beyond. You still worried? About Andy? Nah. It'll be fun while it lasts. I'm proud of you, cowboy. Besides, when it all ends, I'll have old Buzz Lightyear to keep me company. For infinity and beyond. And then at the end of three, you have Bonnie that she's not supposed to get Woody. Andy is going to take Woody to with him to college. And she peeks in that box and says, my cowboy, my cowboy. And that's when he decides, I'm going to give this to her. She hugs him. Oh, man, I now have this cowboy doll. And then we see her in four, and she's like, no, nah, I don't play with that anymore. And there's no explanation given. So but why does there have he... to be, though? Does there have to yeah. be? I don't think so. She's a child. Child change their minds all the time. Yes, but but in the terms of a movie storytelling, if, if I'm telling you a story, there there does need to be like a, why doesn't she want to play with Woody? It, 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 that's it, it just her deciding, no, I'm just not going to play with Woody anymore is weird. And then Woody's not the only kid. The <laughs> I'm only just thinking kid. of when your daughter, when your daughter has one toy the next week, she's going to pick something else up and have no explanation. You spend a hundred dollars on this new toy for her and she plays with it for a day. And then she goes and plays with the box. I, I'm going to ask you, all right, you got to get an explanation from her now. All right. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, and, and I'm sure in a two-year-old's mind, there is an explanation, but whatever. Okay, fine. That's not a one. 
Buzz is now dumb in this movie. He's he's portrayed really dumb in this movie. I will give you that. I completely agree with you. I did not like the way they portrayed Buzz in this. I hundred percent agree with you on that one. Yeah, he's just like, he's just like, what should I do? Oh, conscious. This like, it, it was it was really strange. And then Forky, I think, is a massively overrated character. What? Shtick- no! Are you yes. kidding me? His stick is I'm trash. Ha 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 ha. And then a third of the way through the movie, his oh. arc is done. Oh man, I loved Forky. I, I think oh, Forky was genius. I think it's a it's an interesting type of character, but it was just it so he starts the movie with I'm trash, I'm trash, I'm trash, and then a third of the way in the movie he falls off the RV with Woody and they have a heart to heart and he's like, I gotta go find Bonnie. And it's like so the arc is done. It, it, it just it that that character just not do anything for me. Honestly, the character that I thought was really good arc was Gabby Gabby. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think, well, I, think I, I, I want to go back to something you said for a second, though. I want to go back to something you said. I don't agree about the whole Buzz Woody relationship. I've heard that thrown out there before. I just don't see it. I, I, I yes, they were buddy buddy, but I, I don't feel like that's not how life works. Life doesn't work where you find a friend and and through everything, you're always with that person no matter what. Life happens. And in this case, Woody grows up. Woody goes and he finds a romantic relationship with Bo Peep and they go off to live together. And, you know, it'd be nice if they could see Buzz, but that's not how life happens sometimes, you know? I don't know. Then it just it just seems to then totally discount everything they've done. Again, we're not talking about... I mean, you want movies to reflect real life, but also, you know, real life does change really, really fast. But we want sometimes in our stories to have a certain certain continuity. And so if you build up this relationship between Woody and Buzz, this friendship, and then it's just like Woody at the end is going to be like, nah, I'm going to go with the girl. But that's not not how it happened, though. And and that's going to be my question. Would you really want Woody to sacrifice his happiness with Bo to just simply be with Buzz and be unhappy at the bottom of the closet? I feel like that. I, I, I feel like that the relationship with Bo is not the crux of it. The crux of him leaving is he understands a new purpose in helping toys find their uh, find their owners, and I, I can be exactly. more on board. I can be more on board with that, but but the the idea that he's leaving Buzz for Bo, I don't. I I think Bo is just she's there, and that's well, and, okay, and, that's, that's fair. But again, do you, do you not want him to be happy? I mean, he's not happy with Bonnie. He's he is not happy with Bonnie. That is made very clear from the very beginning. He wants to be there, but he's not happy. I so, I, I get it, but I, and, I, and maybe I'm I'm. I'm one of those, I, I have become one of those fans that regardless of what you did, I, I wasn't going to be happy with it. I think here's my problem is one, two, and three was such a great story. And then this came along and it very much felt like it was a, it wasn't a story that needed to be told because ultimately at the end of three, everybody's happy. So it, it is the culmination of a happy ending. Andy has moved on to be an adult. Buzz and Woody and the gang are together. They're be, they now have a new kid, and you could you could extrapolate that, and now they're going to be passed down to new kids and new kids and new kids. I just I just didn't feel like four needed to happen, and they made some choices that were just like, why why do why does this have to be the way it is when three had such a great ending? It's not like three was a, like a cliffhanger. No, I, I, I get it. And again, when, when they announced it back in 2015 or whenever, 2014 or 2015, that they were going to do a Toy Story uh, 4, you know, Lasseter said, now mind you, Lasseter more than anybody else has the right to, to say, I'm going to create this. I mean, this was his baby. He He's the one who thought this up. He's the one who dreamed this up. And he said, I wouldn't do it if the story wasn't compelling enough. Now, in fairness, there were rewrites. There were, there were you know, he, there, he got you know, involved in some stuff that happened at Disney and stepped down from his post and all that stuff. Uh, and then they had to bring in some writers and change some of that stuff up. But here's why I still think it works, Matt, is that it's 11 years later, I'm sorry, nine years later, and 
it is, if you think about the generation that grew up with Toy Story, the generation that grew up with Toy Story, they have aged now, at that point in 2019, it would have been, they have aged 24 years. Many of the things that Woody is going through in this moment are what they're going through as they've aged from childhood into teenage years into college and into adulthood. And that's why I think it is the, the perfect movie. I, I think of all four of them, it is the best of the four. I think one's perfect. And I think if I really were to kind of, you know, string them together, it's really one, two, three are all just one big movie about Andy and his coming of age. And then four is about Woody and Woody finally realizing that his main purpose is done. He can now focus on his happiness. I do think Bo plays a big part of that, but uh, you know, he can focus on, he doesn't have to be attached to a human anymore. He doesn't have to be attached to a child. I get that three wrapped up Andy's story really well. And had they just left it there? Sure. No problem. But I really do believe for, was it a necessity to make? No. But was it a good movie? Absolutely. And I don't want to say it's a bad movie. I just don't like it in the terms of this franchise. I think if you take Toy Story 4 standalone, I like it. But it, it just, it, it, I don't want to say it ruins it. That's not the right way to you say it. You became one of those fans. I mean, and there's, nothing, there's no harm in this. You became one of those fans. And, and, and a lot of people, this happens to. You became a fan. You had it set in your head how these characters lived out the rest of their lives and what happened after Toy Story 3 and then someone came along and disrupted that for you. It's the same reason why you're not a fan of the sequel trilogy of Star Wars where I am. You know, it's the same you know, someone came along and changed your world, changed the world or the, the canon of the worldview that you've built in your head. I would imagine that if Toy Story 4 was created two or three years after Toy Story 3, there wouldn't be as much of an outcry as there is nine years later. No, I get that. And let me say this, that this movie was created to sell more merchandise. And and I know there's some people out there that are like, that's bad. I don't it's not bad, that, but okay. That, that's, that's called good business. Like, yeah, it's good business. I don't agree with, I don't agree that that's why it was made, but yes, it is good business. I think that play maybe played a part of it, especially when you consider Gabby Gabby, Duke Kaboom, some of the other, you know, uh, Ducky and Bunny. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't even talk, talk about Ducky and Bunny, really. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm never that cynical that a movie is created 100% to sell merchandise. I really don't think that's the case, but sometimes it is, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just it's 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 just not my favorite. And and you're right. I think I, I I just need to accept that my role is yeah. I have become one of these super fans that just had like this was such a great ending, and this is a great great book end to this. And then someone decided they need to create something, and I just didn't like where they where what story they decided to tell. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's the same people who who criticize the prequels. I mean beyond the fact that the prequels of star Wars were just horribly done graphic wise. A lot of people hated the storyline. Again, that was what George Lucas wanted to do. It's his baby. He gets to do what he wants to do. You know, you know, the real question becomes as we start to kind of wind down on this, do they go to a toy story five? Do they go to a toy story six? I know Tim Allen and, and Tom Hanks are both on record of saying, Hey, you know, we've broken the trilogy now. So, or, you know, it's not just a trilogy anymore. So what's stopping us from going to a toy story five? I don't know what a compelling story would be. I don't know what that would look like. But again, we didn't know what a Toy Story 4 would look like until we saw it. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if they continued on this trajectory and showed me more of Woody and Bo's adventures. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I would become more okay with the arc in Toy Story 4. Well, maybe they could do, again, if we talk about Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, our Andy story, Toy Story 4, 5, and heck, 6, are Woody and Bo's story with other toys. I mean, think about it this way. They have a lot of, um, they have a lot of uh, uncharted terrain in the modern-day world of toys, digital toys, the Internet. I mean, I could very honestly, I mean, I know it's Disney and versus Pixar. There could very much easily be a Toy Story Wreck-It Ralph crossover at some point. You know, like, how cool would that be? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, th- there's a lot they can do with it. But yeah, I, I, I'm not totally against another Toy Story. Like, I, I'm not a, they should shut down the sequels. And they've done, you know, specials that are a part of the canon, you know, That Time Forgot and and other stuff like that. They've they've done those things. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I ponder whether I would like the sequels more if they did make more of them. And honestly, I don't see how they don't make another one of these. Correct correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the only movie, as far as I know, Disney and or Pixar, that has four theatrical releases. So three additional sequels in Disney or Pixar. Theatrical especially. I mean, there's definitely movies that have... Maybe not even like uh, four I, is I a lot. I mean, I, guess, I think I guess Aladdin. Aladdin has what th- three sequels? Three, three sequels. So no, no, just two. So two sequels. So they've got three. Cinderella, I think, had one, two, two. and two and a half, or something like that. I mean, but again, they're all direct to video. I don't. I, there are very few have ever the, a sequel has ever gone to the theater. You know, if you think about Pixar, is probably more prone to that. But even then, Incredibles two, Finding Dory. That's it. it. So, I mean, that speaks to the fact that this franchise is huge. I mean, we didn't talk about Toy Story 4's take. Again, $200 million, $1.1 billion. So, basically identical to what Toy Story 3 did. So, between the two of those, $2.2 billion, and you had another billion or so on for the first two movies. This is a $3 billion franchise just in the movies. Don't even talk about the merchandise. Again, we talk about selling merchandise of all time. Well, and I mean, now it's, uh, you know, I, I, we can't start a whole conversation about this, but it's, there's Toy Story Land down at the parks, not mm-hmm. just domestically, but internationally. And I mean, I mean, Toy Story, it, Toy Story is here to stay. Like, I mean, th- th- that's clear. People are still showing Toy Story to their kids. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to be one of those parents. I'm absolutely going to do Toy Story to my kids. Yeah. And it's one of those movies that you can, well, here's, here's the other way that I know that you know, we talk about the replayability of a of a movie in ter- determining how good of a movie it is. Toy Story One is one of those movies you can turn on and watch it over and over again. I don't do that with Toy Story Two. I don't do that with Toy Story Three. Toy Story Four is too new to do that with. But Toy Story One, over and over and over again, you can watch it over and over again. It's that good. You know, I'm with you 100. Two and three, I'm not as much about replaying. But yeah, yeah, the Toy Story One is just from a rewatchable standpoint, absolutely. And again, we talked about this at the very beginning of the episode uh, to watch the graphics go from one to two to three to four. Say what you want about the plot. It is the most visually stunning animated film I've ever seen. All of this computer animation, not just Pixar, but Disney as well. You look at, you know, a Frozen 2 and just you look at some of those set pieces and go, well, this is a gorgeous set piece. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. So. Um, anything else on your mind before we uh, wrap up the show? I don't think so. I think it's closing time. The bartender is, you know, was w- well looking at our uh, Toy Story four argument and kind of left us alone for a minute. And, and- <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say, Andy's coming. Andy's coming. Uh, but uh, yes, um, yeah, Andy's coming. To, it is closing time. The bartender's like, all right, guys, get the heck out of here. Um, so, if you want to get a hold, of, first of all, I, I, we would love to have you engage with us in our social media on this. Which one of these four is your favorite? Uh, why is it your favorite? What did you think of Toy Story Four? Was did you enjoy, even if it's not your favorite? Was it? Did you enjoy it? Did you like the plot? I've come to the realization that Toy Story Four either you're for it or you're against it. There's no one in the middle. So you're either in Matt's camp or you're my camp. We kind of got our own little civil war going on here, Matt. Um, so get a hold of us on Facebook at the Beers and Ears Podcast on Twitter and Instagram Beers Ears nineteen twenty eight email us at beersandears1928 at gmail.com. This has already been up for a couple weeks by the time this episode airs, but we do have a little bit of a contest going now through October 31st, 2020. So end of this month, write a review for us on any of the podcast platforms, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast, take a screenshot or take a picture of it and post it in our social media or email it to us that you did it five stars, five stars. And we, at the end of the month, we're going to collect all those reviews. 
and we're going to draw 10 names. And if your name gets drawn, you will be able to get a exclusive Beers and Ears Bluetooth wireless speaker complimentary from the Four Frills website. So uh, again, send us that information. If we draw your name, we will send you a special promo code that will allow you to get that for free at the Four Frills website. So um, Matt, let's close the show out. Let's raise our glasses. This episode has been on us and we will see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.